Hi, you're listening to Jinang to Jinang, a conversation where we don't always see eye to eye, but always forehead to forehead. This is Vika. And I'm Lisa. And today, we're going to dig deeper to understand ourselves. So we both strive to be better people. And we think that one way or maybe like the first step to be a better version of yourself is to, you know, understand yourself. Also, I personally love learning about myself <laughs> because, you know, I love me. <laughs> And also I love learning about other people around me. Um, it could be because I have put people in a pigeon box, but that's not a conversation for today. Anyway, in the next few episodes, we actually will be exploring the different topics to help us understand ourselves and also each other. So to kick things off in this episode, we will be taking four different personality tests because one is just not enough. These tests that we are taking are widely used in both professional and personal settings by many to help them understand themselves as individual, but also to help them or rather their employer to understand <laughs> their working styles and the work settings. So in this episode, we took our test. The first one is the Myers-Briggs test or the MBTI, you know, the INFP, ENFJ, basically what people put on their Tinder bio, like we care. <laughs> really? Yeah, 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 yeah. If it's not a Tinder bio, it's like Instagram bio, whatever. I've seen it there's on a, Instagram. Like if there's a bio, it's there. <laughs> Oh, that's fair, I guess. I don't know. The second one would be a temperament test, which would be our first exposure to yeah. personality tests when we were children. Uh, or rather like self-assessment self personality test. Because I'm sure like the teachers or whatnot uh, have conducted a different one than us. The third one is a DISC or D-I-S-C test. And the last one is the Enneagram test. Did you understand yeah. the, the up and coming, the, the new hot thing? Yeah, uh, it is a new The personality thing. test realm, you know? Yeah. Uh, so shall we start with the first one? Yeah, let's do it. So the first one that we're going to talk about is the MBTI, which is an introspective self-report questionnaire indicating differing psychological preferences in how people perceive the world. <gasps> Basically, it means you take a self <laughs> You're like, okay, like FYI, I'm usually in charge of like creating the content structure and like do like the basic description of, of things because I do like the research because Fika does like the editing because she's obviously better at this stuff and um, I like to like just type things and like research and plan things she clearly like don't want to read all of it so she just like ignored it and gonna like summarize it this is very difficult world. when I edit it okay so basically it's a self-assessment tool to help indicate um your personality based on four Uh, attributes and these mm -hmm, are attitudes mm -hmm. which are which consists of two options introversion or, or extroversion the second attribute is judging function uh, are you more of a thinking person or more of a feeling person the mm -hmm. third attribute is perceiving function so are you more sensing or intuitive and the last one is a lifestyle preference <laughs> <laughs> i know it sounds weird hey, hey that's what it says in wikipedia 
which is which which is more of about whether you're more judging or uh perceptive i guess yeah. yeah i reckon maybe because you know how like there's judging functions and there is perceiving functions and i don't know whether you've done this before but there are there, there is another test that just um look at the four different functions so like you know thinking feeling and um sensing and intuition so maybe right. that lifestyle preference of judging and perception is which function do you use most i suppose like um for example if you're i don't know if you if your judging function is, or your judging preference is higher than your perception function. So whatever is your judging functions might play a higher role than what is your perceiving functions. Do you know what I mean? That's just my assumption though. Like I am not a psychologist, obviously. Uh, we'll, we'll read more into it when, when we talk about our personality type. So you've taken this test. Um, I think we should disclose our source, the test of the Oh source. yes, 100%. I mean the source of the test. <laughs> It has been a long. It's been a weeks. long week. It has been a long two weeks, a long week, a long month actually. It's been a long year. It, it has actually been a long year to be honest. Okay, so I did my personality test with 16personalities.com for my MBTI. What did you take? Do you take the same one? Yeah, we take the same one. That's the whole point, bro. Okay, cool. So what? <laughs> We literally put in our planner. What are you talking about? Because we there were two well there were two links that we put in our planner. Which oh, is, did you not do both? I didn't do Truity. I didn't have time. Okay, but okay, since you did both, <laughs> did they come up this exact same one? No. Okay. Do you want to talk about that? Okay. Cool. So with my um six and personality test, which I believe most people use this test when they're doing their MBTI. Um, I got blip, 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 INFJ. Um, oh, nice. I know, and I know people just like okay, this is no shades, but people who, um, because I've never so I've taken this test this no last year, like October 2020, and it yields a different result. I think it was an INTJ last year. And then before that, I get ISTJ. Um, so it kind of changes quite a bit. And it's been ISTJ for like the past, like before I get starting getting to INTJ, it's been ISTJ for quite consistently like a few years. Anyway, with INFJ, people who get INFJ always like told me, or like people in like in the internet always like, oh, INFJ is the rarest of all personalities. Um, which I guess it's true. But anyway. Um, I was surprised that I got that. Um, so INFJ, so introverted, and with the six personalities, it gives you like a percentage. So I'm seventy six percent introverted, um, fifty five percent intuitive, um, fifty six percent feeling. This is like the bit I'm most surprised, and then seventy nine percent judging. So definitely the 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 absolute. Um, qualities are introverted, intuitive, and judging. Yes. So the the thinking is kind of like a fifty something. That's something that like usually shifts quite a bit. Well, actually, the intuitive is also only fifty five percent. So both intuitive and feeling they're they're kind of like on the cusp, okay. you know. Yeah. Um. Whereas the judging and introverted are actually the two that has always been quite constant anyway, and they're always quite like pretty high up i think at some point my introverted 
was like 90%. Wow. <laughs> which, yeah, which I wasn't very surprised. But anyway, um, so yes, let's talk about quickly what does that mean? Um, wait, 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 what's your truity answer? Oh, my truity answer. Actually, my truity answer. So truity actually gave you like three different types that is um the closest to your answer. Mm-hmm. So the first one is actually INTJ, which is what I get last year. Mm-hmm. The second one is actually ISTJ, which I what I got like three years ago and was my like MBTI result for like the longest time. And then the third result is then INFJ. It's which so I thought was quite interesting. Because I took I uh, just I took the uh, 16 personalities test today and I also got INFJ. Oh really? Yeah. So but my percentage is um I am 83% introverted. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Um, 76% intuitive 54% feeling and 54% judging yeah okay see I'm not that surprised that you get intuitive because I think growing up well we'll talk about this maybe a bit more after we talk about yours but I've always been a sensing kind of person growing up Uh, and you've always been like intuitive so since we, we're both INFJ, let's read what so personalities say about us. Okay. So, so wait, what's the last letter? So there's ENFJ, sorry, INFJA and INFJT. Which one are you? Yes. So can you please quickly dis, um, describe what is the T and what is the A? Okay, T is turbulent and A yeah. is assertive. So yeah. I'm guessing you are A. I'm actually turbulent. No way, because I'm turbulent. <laughs> really? So actually, turbulent and assertive is not really like, um. well, from my, my understanding is, um, I'm trying to see whether it's like somewhere here, because if you get like the um, free one, it actually doesn't tell you um, the result. Actually, maybe let me open my old one. So the turbulent and assertive is not really like whether you are assertive as a person, because I think a lot of people... Thought that. Um, thought that I'm, I get A because I'm quite assertive as a person, but actually it's um, more so of your kind of self-confidence. So, so this is the thing that kind of changes, I think will change as you, um, because turbulence means you're quite anxious, really. I think that's the best way to describe it. You're quite anxious yeah. with how you Conduct see yourself. yourself. Yeah, that's right. Whereas um, with assertive, you're more like self-assured. I think that's how I would describe it. Yeah. But anyway, since we are both INFJ, can you please quickly talk about what is INFJ? So INFJ personality type is seen as the advocate. (laughs) We supposedly treat people as if they were what they ought to be and you help them (laughs) to become what they are capable of being. It's funny. I don't know why, but I thought it was funny. Okay, anyway. It is, suppo- it is supposed to be the rarest personality. So it's it's quite funny that we're both INFJs because it's supposed to be rare. Um, what are the chances? Um, and we leave our mark on the world. We have deep sense of idealism. This is probably true. Integrity, but aren't idle dreamers. They take concrete steps to realize their goals and make a lasting impact. I think this is really true for you. Yeah, because you're a yeah, you're a planner. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm I'm a big I'm a huge planner. Wait, before we get to that, let's break down Mm -hmm. INFJ. So 
INFJs are introverted, which I think people don't really understand what it means to be extroverted and introverted. Yes. People tend to think that introverted people don't like to go out, don't have friends. Which is not, not true, you know, which, which is not, not false. True. Uh, not wrong, but also not true. Mm-hmm. I think the key marker of introversion and extroversion is not how many friends you have or how often do you go out, but how much you reel from that experience. Yeah. extroverted people tend to... Uh, so kidding, you know, they, 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 they get energy from being around. People yes, that's, that's the key difference. I think that's how I always try to like describe it to other people. Cause people always like, you have so many friends. You, there's no way you're an intro. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think it's like you say, it boils down to how you like, how do you gain energy and how do you recharge Um, introverted as a, uh, like, as a basic principle, they recharge by being alone. In fact, when they're around people, it can like... Uh, it gets exhausted. Their- yeah, they get exhausted. Whereas extroverted gain energy from socializing. So like, I know people people who are extroverted who don't really hang out with other people. Or people who are like, don't really hang out with people. But when they do, they like gain so much energy from it. And when they haven't like caught up with people, they are not like, they, they get quite negative or like down and you know we know people who are introverted but they, they meet constantly yeah they meet people all the time but what we don't know is like after we they go out meet people they like have to like be alone you know so that's yeah introverted versus extroverted what about versus sensing so intuitive people are very imaginative open-minded and curious they provide they prefer novelty over stability and focus on hidden meanings and future possibilities. Mm-hmm. Naturally, observant people are the other way around. Um, mm-hmm. That is not to say that they're not open-minded or curious, um, but I think it's that they're more realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, one way I like to describe uh, intuitive versus observant, or so observant used to be called sensing, hence why S rather than O. Um, people who are intuitive, or maybe I should say people who are sensing, they like things that they can sense. They like things that they can sense using their five common senses, what they can touch, what they can hear, what they can um, taste, what they can, what are the five senses? Touch. Touch, <laughs> <laughs> um, hear, smell. Yeah, okay, the five senses. So that's why they're called sensing because they are realistic and they basically need to rely on things that they can sense, right? Yeah. That's why they are more pragmatic rather than dogmatic or idealistic. So on the flip side, intuitive people, they are more, they are, they are only limited by their imagination. They're so open-minded. They're so creative. They're so, like, they are not limited by the things that they can sense, you know? There's no, there's no limit to what they can think of, really. So their only limitation is their imagination. Um, That's why they're much more open-minded. But I think it's so it's so true that for I think for both of us that we are both intuitive and turbulence and have anxiety because the only limit is your imagination. <laughs> but I think you know, growing up, like I think we are both can agree that we are both introverted, and I think your introversion is that how to, introversion 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 has gone up. I feel like also because you're currently back on lockdown. Yeah, so you know that I think it's gone off the charts in the in the past year or so. Yeah, whereas I'm not really on lock- in lockdown, so 
meh, you know. <laughs> and then your intuit, your percentage of intuitive has is definitely much higher than mine because you've always been the creative one. Um, like between the two of us, you literally like when you were younger, you'll play like what do you call it, like imaginary, like you just play make believe, yeah, on your own. Whereas like that doesn't really like it. Like I used to be, I just like not understand that because. I was like, why? Like, why? Like, you, how, like, it just like, it just doesn't, I, can, I just can't comprehend it. Cause I'm like, how would you do that? Like, what? Like, you, wait, like, yeah, even thinking about it now, like, oh, how I felt then. I'm just like, wait, what, what? Yeah, anyway. Okay. This, the third um, attribute is nature, mm-hmm. thinking versus feeling. We're both feeling people. Um, we are sensitive and emotionally expressive. I think that just means we cry a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we, um, they are more empathetic and less competitive than the thinking types mm-hmm. and focus on social harmony and cooperation. So um, to put it simply, thinking people tend to take the scientific approach to problems and in their own lives and, and feeling people tend to uh, sense things more like they, they, they try to go with the feelings in in solving or in approaching a problem mm-hmm. that's why um there is this thing that they say focus on social harmony and cooperation yeah right. yeah because it, in being emotionally expressive and compassionate i think there's an element of like wanting to make everybody happy yeah i know you're absolutely right and what about the last or the fourth um attributes judging and perspecting oh this is the one we covered earlier no yep is that exactly what i said it is yeah judging this individual are decisive thorough highly organized they value clarity predictability and closure preferring structure and planning to spontaneity Mm -hmm. okay makes sense yeah you don't like things that actually you know what a year ago, I took this test and I got INFP, so I used to be more prospecting. But I think, um, really, yeah, I think being um, a mech—not uh, mechanic. <laughs> oh my God, what's wrong with my brain today? <laughs> a systematic, organized person is um, is something of a coping mechanism in a, in such a turbulent time, like like you know what the one that we are living in oh. right now. So I think that might be why now I'm leaning towards more judging than prospecting. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so okay. judging people are very like set spe- like they, they set specific goals and and you know plan. I don't know. I know people who are yeah, that's judging who, like me. Yeah, uh, take like their plans down to like to the minute. Yeah. Um, those are your type, our type of people, and then the prospecting people are like a lot of our friends, which is they can't do one thing at a time. <laughs> he's like this and then also that and then also that and it's also that you know like all the time so it's very hard to focus have you always been an introvert though like yeah yeah because i first took this test when i was in poly so i was 20 Mm. i was an extrovert then i actually when i first took this test which is like three years ago whatever well it's not three years ago it's like probably I don't know, seven years ago, actually, now I think about it. Um, it was when I was in uni and that was the most extroverted I have ever been. And I still scored pretty high for introverted. Wow. 
So I've always been interested. Yeah. So I remember like the first time I took it, I was maybe... So the N and the... Sorry. I've always been um, intuitive. Yeah. That, that one doesn't change. And then the um, the feeling and judging of like flip-flop Switch quite sometimes. A bit. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, so the, the percentage of my inver- introversion has just like increased through the years yeah, yeah when i was 20 it was maybe like a 50 no wait like a 60 percent extrovert and then i took it once more when i started working and it was like in the 50 percent and then last year i took it it was like 60 percent introversion and i was like 83 yeah i think i mean it's quite i think it's quite common for you for people to become introverted as you grow older i say that a lot because i think that's what i see in the people around me but i also think that that's not quite true some people continue to be extra because yeah. at the end of the day it's about how you gain strength right and like yes okay as you grow older you might not hang out with people as much because you have your own life and stuff but it still boils down to like how do you gain energy and some people still do gain energy from being around other people and honestly there's nothing wrong with it because i think whilst extroverted has always been celebrated and it's continued to be celebrated in especially in the industry that we are both in yeah outside of that there's kind of like a um almost like a brag about being introverted like yeah. you know in like social media and stuff so i feel like people kind of oh my god i'm such an introvert now i'm like just okay you don't really hang out yeah i know it's like i don't like there's nothing wrong with being extroverted same as like there's nothing wrong with being, with being introverted, introverted. yeah but anyway, so yeah, are you surprised with your result and mine? I was more surprised that we are exactly the same. Yeah, that's so true. Which is not which is not what's supposed to happen because we we thought we were very different. Yeah. I guess yeah. some time apart has made us uh, you know, we gravitate towards the same kind of things now. It As kind of makes sense that we yeah. It kind of makes sense a little bit that we are becoming more and more similar. Yeah, no, I agree. Next one is, this, this is going to be a short one for a reason, but we <laughs> So the second test that we did is the temperament test. It's actually a really old test based on like Greek mythology, not, not Greek mythology, but like ancient Greek or ancient Egyptian. Um, anyway, the fourth temperament theory is a proto-psychological theory which suggests that there are four fundamental personality types and i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation i'm so sorry one is sanguine i think that's that is so sanguine (laughs) you're so full of shit uh the second one is choleric not to be confused by cholera (laughs) the third type is melancholic and the last one is phlegmatic oh my god wait 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 wait. every every time i read the word (laughs) phlegmatic i just thought of the word phlegm yeah i know saying which is really gross i'm sorry i'm sorry if you're listening to this i'm sorry i said the word phlegm okay go on oh why are you sorry it's just like a human split oh i grew up with grandma All right. Okay. Fair enough. Anyway, um, this test is actually the first, our first exposure to like personality tests. Like back when we were like super young, we found this test in um, Majalah Gadis. So it's like a Indonesian magazine. Like it was really popular back in the days. Um, and we did this test. Um, but anyway, I, I'm 
not gonna like spoil too much about what the result then and now but uh, i want to ask you first what did you get when you take this test today oh my god yes okay actually i need to rem- remind myself what are the four um personnel tests. if i quickly go through them <sighs> sanguine i'm so sorry if i pronounce this wrong anyway sanguine is a personality type described to be primarily highly talkative enthusiastic active and social they tend to be more extroverted enjoy being part of a crowd they find that being social outgoing and charismatic is easy to accomplish individuals with this personality have a hard time doing nothing and engage <laughs> in a more risk-taking behavior wow they sound like a loose cannon i feel like if this is the zodiac equivalent i think it's gonna be an air signs oh my god it is the element is air oh my god i'm I'm a fucking genius, man. I'm a genius. Anyway, the second one, choleric. In the, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, this choleric. is so funny. Go on. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Okay, choleric individuals tend to be also more extroverted. They are described as independent, decisive, goal-oriented, and ambitious. This combined with their dominant, result-oriented outlook make them natural leaders. In Greek, medieval and renaissance thought they were also violent vengeful and short-tempered <laughs> this will be fire sign this is like mars which once again sign. i am like honestly i'm a fucking genius man i should be like this should be my side hustle anyway melancholic individuals tend to be analytical and detail-oriented they are deep thinkers and feelers deep thinkers deep feelers what a sign they're intro- introverted and try to avoid being singled out in a crowd a melancholic personality leads to self-reliant individuals who are thoughtful reserved and often anxious okay you they... got this, one this is earth really yeah oh okay anyway they often strive for perfection with themselves and their surrounding which which leads to okay which leads to society and detail oriented behavior okay yeah that's that's earth sign um Plagmatic individuals tend to be relaxed. Oh yeah, this is water. Relaxed. <laughs> Quiet and easygoing. They're sympathetic. Yeah, this is definitely a water sign. It's like Aaron, honestly. Sorry. Care about other. Yet they try to hide their emotions. Plagmatic individuals are also good at generalizing ideas or problems to the world and making compromises. Yeah, that's definitely a water sign, actually, on hindsight. Anyway uh what's your answer can i guess can i guess okay i think and i think this is okay can i wait can i tell people or you want to tell them what you get when you were younger i don't remember what i got when i was younger oh my god i remember yeah really okay um you actually got melancholic when you were younger Uh uh-huh what do you think Um, i I feel like you might still be melancholic or choleric I'm melancholic. See, but I understand why you think I might be choleric because the funny thing is I took the um the test from Open Source Psychometric Project, so I scored open sixteen what? Open Source uh, Psychometric Project. Is that the OSPP is that the same? Yes, oh, that's yeah, OSPP. No, yeah. So I scored sixteen for melancholic and fourteen for cho- uh, choleric. So very close. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Can you please describe um, melancholic based on the OpenPsychometric.org? Your temperament is melancholic. <laughs> so the, me- <laughs> the melancholic temperament is fundamentally introverted and thoughtful. Ooh. Melancholic people often were perceived as very or overly pondering and considerate. 
<laughs> getting rather worried when they could not be on time for events. <laughs> Our colleagues can be highly creative in activities such as poetry and art. Makes sense, makes sense. And become preoccupied with the tragedy and cruelty in the world. Also, wait a minute. Okay, no, I'll continue. And then we'll wait go a back. minute. Bye. 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 Okay. <laughs> Often they're perfectionist. Oh. They are self-reliant and independent. One negative part, because the rest of it wasn't negative. <laughs> One negative part of being a melancholic is that they can get so involved in what they are doing and they forgot to think of others are you also a melancholic now yes guess what i was before and what i am now i think you were sanguine and now you're a melancholic oh my god you got it totally wrong wait what, what is sanguine again also i just want to say that you're melancholic i thought that you continue to be melancholic so i think that's just your core temperament since you were young Mm-hmm. I remember when I don't know what you remember this, but when you found out you're melancholic, you actually got upset about it and you cried. <laughs> How very fitting! And then it actually kind of um, aligns <laughs> with, your, with your zodiac because you're Capricorn, which is in an earth sign. Yeah, so that's quite interesting. Anyway, um, so yeah, so in terms of temperament, I think based on this temperament test, you kind of like are the same throughout, or like you can you're consistently melancholic. But you are, you've always been a melancholic child. <laughs> that is, that is like a very nice way to say that I've always been a dramatic person. Uh, <laughs> no, but do you, do you not remember you cried? You literally were at like grandma's garage and you like cried. And I was like, and then you like ran inside. And I was like, what? Wait, that's gonna, well, that's about right. <laughs> yeah, that was okay. funny. Well, well, <laughs> what was yours? When you were so, I was when we were younger. I got a choleric. Oh, what do you think I am now? Hmm, definitely not phlegmatic. (laughs) I think you might still be choleric. Yeah, actually, that's a good sign. If you can find out what I am not, then you probably can flip the other side because the opposite of phlegmatic is. Choleric, which is a, which is a fire sign, which I was like, oh, but I'm like a an earth, vir, a very good true and true. Yeah, and I'm quite like even like my um, Chinese element thing is um, an earth sign. I mean, it's like yeah, yeah, it's an earth element. Anyway, so cholerics are well. I think well, finally enough. When we were younger, no, I didn't tell anyone I get choleric because I was so embarrassed by it. Because choleric <laughs> is described as like boss, hot tempered, yeah. Well, it's more of this bossy. They're bossy in general. And like, you know, especially when you were like a young girl, you were told like girls can be boss, can't be bossy, right? So I was like, I was so embarrassed. I just take it. I just basically, when we, I, I tried to do it again and basically answer the opposite of I was going to mm-hmm. answer and get told you. And that's what I told everyone else. The <laughs> Which is like the complete opposite of what I yeah, am. Yeah, that is definitely not what you are. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, really? Because, yeah, so, but yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm still a choleric. Anyway, um, according to opensacrometrics.org, the choleric temperament is fundamentally ambitious and leader-like, hence why it was, like, described as bossy. They have a lot of aggression, energy, and or passion, and try to instill it in other. They can dominate people of other temperaments, especially, <laughs> like, medic types. 
Many great charismatic military and political figures were choleric, uh, which makes sense because when I was younger, I looked up to like a few political leaders. Anyway, they like to be in charge of everything. Bossy. However, choleric <laughs> also tend to be either highly disorganized or highly organized, so that there's no in between. They do not have they do not have in between setups. Only one extreme to another. You know previous point as well as being leader-like and assertive cholerics also fall into deep and sudden depression essentially they are very much prone to mood swings yeah it's um quite yeah so the other thing about the temperament tests or like the temperament personalities um i guess because it was like described or it was built upon back in the days like ancient greeks or ancient egyptians right so it's often mm-hmm. quite negative but i think it's because Negative wasn't seen as negative back in the days. It's not right. necessarily like bad. It's not necessarily negative, I, sh- I should say. Yeah. But anyway, we will talk more about these um, four elements. These four elements or these these four temperaments more in conjunction with the this test, which we'll discuss next. <laughs> In the disc type, which I think this is kind of like a modernized or an extended yeah. sort of research on the, the original for temperament. It's a I think yes or no, because I think temperament is more like your temperament. So it's more of your personality almost. Whereas this test, at least in modern, um, the modern application to it is more of behavior. So people who talk about this test or like talk about this test in like, um, corporate setting it's more like this is your work behavior which may not necessarily be your actual behavior outside of work but yes we, we can talk about it more yeah so it's funny you should mention because the first time I had to take a, a disc test was again in my final year of poly and I remember having to do like a hundred questions or something um, and I don't remember what I got then that's how unmemorable the entire process was to me <laughs> I think you were just like fuck this shit yeah like whoa really half an hour of my time is clicking things and, and then i gotta think <laughs> about what it is <laughs> oh god okay so what what are the four elements of disc personality the first one is <laughs> i'm gonna say something very stupid the oh first one god. is d that is quite stupid, which is dominant like? uh-huh. uh so for with with regards to the disc personality type, different publishers uh, might use different names. So yes, that's right. Um, we'll try to use the two they sort of like common. yeah, the most common yeah. names that they call this personality. The first one is dominance, mm-hmm. which aligns with a uh, choleric uh, mm-hmm. temperament type. The second mm-hmm. one, I, is influence or inspiring. Yep, which aligns with sanguine. Yep. Uh, the third one is steadiness or supportive, which align with phlegmatic. And finally, C is con. Oh my God, how do I pronounce this word? Conscientiousness. Yes, or cautious, which aligns with melancholic. Also called compliance. Oh my God, that's an easier word to say. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we took the test today, mm-hmm. and what do you think? Okay. 
knowing, wait, putting aside your test today, knowing mm-hmm. what the four um, categories are, what do you think you actually uh, fit the most? So I for, when I, I first took this test for work, so I actually, um, same as you, I took the test during work time after like a meeting, which was like, goes on until like 5.30 or probably even 6. So by the time I did it, I was like just clicking away. I'm like doing this 15 minutes of my time that I will never get back. I should have been like scanning all these meeting notes and like blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so I know that because it was asking for work behaviors, I will get compliance as my highest. Also because I'm an accountant. <laughs> I work in compliance. Um, so I knew I was getting, was going to get C as my highest. Um, regardless of whether it's work or like non-work behavior actually. But because I, it was in the work behavior, I knew that my second one is going to be um, steadiness or supportive. And I know that my third one will be um, like neck to neck between dominance and influence, which it was sorry, like uh, my first, which high for like, I think almost 90%, I think it's 80 something, 85 or 88 was compliance. And then the second one was like, Less than 50 was supportive. And then it was, I think, dominance and then influence. But yeah. So after today. So today, it, I get compliance as the highest still. Oh, um, well, no surprise. Supportive as the second still. And then my third one become influence and my fourth one become dominance. Although I have to like give a big caveat when I was answering this test, I do, I was thinking more of like work scenario and work behavior. So I think this is still my work behavior answer. Cause I was talking to someone who, cause this is a pretty common test to be done in like corporate setting, corporate settings. Right. So I was talking about, to, about this to a couple of friends and she was like so surprised that I got that I got a CS. She was like, you're definitely a CD in real life. So we've talked about the four elements. Let's just like take a pause and describe what are these beha- what do these behavior means. So D or drive, uh, it describes behavior that is assertive and results oriented. So hence these are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, when people show drive, they te- they tend to take charge, make decisions, and control the direction of tasks and projects. So people who actually drive things, duh. Mm-hmm. Um, I or influence describe behavior that is engaging and enthusiastic. So when people have this trait, they reach out to other people to build a sense of excitement and fun. Um, they tend to inspire and persuade those around them. People who are influential are described as warm, friendly, and sociable. So that's like your third highest, right? Yeah. Yeah. Consistently your third highest. So as or support, describe behavior that is helpful and caring towards others. So I suppose in a professional setting, it's just like how much you extend your non-literal arm to like offer people for help and support and when people use support they notice what others need and look for ways to to help them serve them they're empathetic and compassionate Um, people who are highly supportive are described as kind caring and helpful and then lastly c or clarity or compliance it describes behavior that is precise and detail oriented yeah that makes sense for you 
Mm-hmm. When people exercise uh, clarity or compliance, they work steadily on tasks requiring focus and accuracy, and they take um, systematic systematic approach to finish the job. They are described as efficient, methodical, and orderly. So very Virgo. Yeah. So before I get, I just like we talk about more about the different four and like it's um relation to our temperament test why don't you share with us what's your disc result um the first one is i mm-hmm. i'm not surprised which well, actually if you haven't done this before is the exact opposite of compliance which is what i am anyway continue right uh, followed by s and then c okay cool so if you have Like before we talk about how it relates to us and the other temperament tests, I think it's important to like talk about the four temperament tests as like metrics. So if you've never done this test, the DISC, um, if you put it in like a matrix, D is at the top left corner and then I is top right and then go down to bottom right is S and bottom left is C. So if you look at, The, the difference between DI and SD, so the top and bottom, is if you're looking at it from work perspective, because this is used mainly in work um, context, it's how fast you want to get things done. So D and I want things to get done fast, where S and C want to take their time in like doing the work, in completing the work. Not because they are lazy, but they just prefer to take their time in doing the work. So if you, and then if you look at left between right, so... Um, DC compared to IS is the accuracy of the work. The left side, which is C and D, they want things to be accurate. Whereas I and F are things that are good enough. It doesn't have to be accurate. So if you look at it from that perspective, a D compared to C is both of them, they want to have things that is accurate, but D will prefer to get it fast. Like Whereas C, they want to take their time to get it to the most accurate, to the highest standard as possible. And then if you compare I and S, both of them doesn't need things to be like 100% accurate, but they want things that what I want to get it done fast and S want to take their time in doing it. So, and then if you look at it from like the opposite, if you look at D and S, because I and C is um, the difference between them is that one want to get things fast and the other want to get, um, doesn't really um, prioritize accuracy. So, The conflict between I and C is more on, often in work setting, it's more on what is the priority. For I, they want to get things fast because they want to influence their client. They want to influence their the, their team, right? They want to keep that interpersonal relationship. Whereas C doesn't care about interpersonal relationship. They just want to get things accurate and take their time in doing it. So it's more of like the way to do things. Whereas for D and S, not only... because. The, their conflict is more so like as care about what other people think, like how people right. think, how people feel actually, not think. Whereas D doesn't care, they just they just want to get things done because they're result oriented. So in the work settings, that's how like the four different um personality kind of behave. But that doesn't mean you can't get along with people who are like your opposite. I mean, we both clearly are working together. I have a few like I have few manager and like a director who I used to work with both are eyes and like I learned to work with them both and it's it's all about just managing your expectation and communicating your priorities and expectation in my opinion and then let's compare this result to our temperament result so as we've kind of alluded before choleric is the 
temperament equivalent of dominance or the D. Sanguine is the temperament equivalent of influence or inspiring. Phlegmatic is the temperament equivalent of steadiness or supportive. And melancholic is the temperament equivalent of consciousness, cautious or compliance. I should stop saying that word. I should just say compliance. <laughs> um, so your temperament result was melancholic, yeah, right? But your DISC result, influence. Yeah. How do you think, like, because they're definitely not, the same like they're not the equivalent of each other um how do you think like why do you think it's different um i also don't remember what i was thinking when i was doing the dis test but i think it's more about my temperament is not always a it doesn't always dictate my behavior and yes, the other it doesn't way translate to your right. behavior yeah. yes so i think as a person, I'm a melancholic person, but that doesn't always mean that I'm led by that in that I have to be conscious, um, I have to be cautious with everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, this is something that I did for work the first day that I got to work. Um, something called Strengths Finder. Have you ever tried to do that? No. Yeah, so it's, it's, there is no free version of it that I know of. And mm. um, if it wasn't because like the firm paid for it, I wouldn't have done it. But um, the consistent thing about all of my personality tests uh, that I've taken, including this one, is that my strength lies in my ability to communicate and influence people. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah. So when I got I, I wasn't that like... Surprised? Surprised. Um, and also I think the, like the, there is kind of a theme, right? Between melancholic, um, influence and INFJ is that you are compassionate. I think that's the word that keep being said. And you're also, was it idealistic as well? Yeah. Maybe not an influence, but you're like, you're guided by your compassion to others. And to be quite honest, the difference between influence and steadiness, which they sit on like the right hand side. Um, which I think is oh well like the different the similarity between melancholic and influence actually I should say is that you're guided both by feelings I think yeah yeah the difference is a melancholic is more like internally this is how you feel whereas influence is you want to externally influence how people feel so that's what I think yeah which is not that is definitely not mutually exclusive just because you're an introverted oh, and like aware of your own feeling doesn't mean that you can also be you cannot also be compassionate and influence other people is how I like to think about it yeah no I completely agree with you um I think I'm not I wasn't that surprised actually the choleric and Yes, just the compliance that I receive. Just because like we said before, right? DISC is more of your behavior. And I think we both like, well, at least for me, I did the DISC test um, by picturing my work behavior or my organizational behavior. And like we've discussed a bit earlier before, because I was so conscious about like being like, and I'm still working on it, like being judged bossy when I was younger in organizational settings, unless like I'm, Mm. like of once like 
unless I'm like already I've already like established my um I guess it's not really my position but like my place in the organization I tend to kind of hide away my leadership mm-hmm. tendency yeah um and I try to like give space for people to lead um therefore I'm not as choleric not as bossy at work or like in organizational settings um that being said though I'm still on like the left hand side which means I'm more like I'm still like very fact driven like accuracy is what drives me more than like people's feelings to be quite honest um so so yeah I wasn't like too surprised by that and like we talked about we discussed earlier choleric I mean temperament tends to be what you are as a personality and personality doesn't really or characteristic I should say doesn't really change unless like you well this is what I believe characteristic people's character doesn't really change unless you gone through like life-changing experience but your behavior can change depending mm-hmm. on yeah. how you yeah. grow up you know how you're being brought up the society that you are growing up in also like you know what you want to perceive as so you know it's funny you say that because as i'm reading this art uh, this wikipedia entry on um the four temperament type mm-hmm. if you map it to the mbti it's actually mapping the two middle um attributes so if you are infp or infj the n and f are not likely to change ah interesting but the i and the j they might change because those are more behavioral than they Mm. are personality on to the last test last which like one. you said oh. this is the up and coming test this is actually the only test i've never done me too this is the first time that i've done it don't really know how to read the charts yet uh, <laughs> but we're gonna take on this journey together again yeah so this one oh god i don't know if i'm pronouncing it correctly but it's the enneagram test i think it's enneagram and enneagram i don't know i think that's it's yeah it's the one with the numbers you guys <laughs> It is a model of the human psyche, which is principally understood and taught as a typology of nine interconnected personality types. This is giving me like a past life, future life vibes. I'm not so sure if that's the truth. So basically, um, the Enneagram kind of categorizes people into like nine different personality or nine different types, which then describes their motivations. And this motivation is... Um, illustrated based on their fears desires weakness and longing so which is kind of like you know the flip side of the coin really so the different the nine different types are the perfectionist that's type one type two is the giver type three is the achiever type four is the individualist type five is the investigator type six is the skeptic Type 7 is enthusiast, type 8 is a challenger, and type 9 is the peacemaker. Um, so we took this test. We took, I think, well, I took two different tests. I don't know about you, but I took I two, two different, different tests. tests. Okay, yeah. cool. I was going to like shade, but anyway. So the first <laughs> one is from Trudy, and the second one is from en- Enneagram Academy. Okay. With the... Enneagram test they actually give you if you do it with Truity they actually give you like the percentage match of 100 for each one um why don't you start with 
what is your highest and then what's your second and third highest? My highest result at 98% is type 6. Whoa, really? Yeah. What's number two and three? Okay, so it's weird. I have two uh, types at exactly 87% match. Mm-hmm. And they are types four and five. Wow. Okay, can I help you describe the, the three different personality that you are? Sure. So type six is also known as the skeptic. Um, type six are preoccupied with security, six basic safety, and they like to be prepared for problems. So we're gonna, I'm gonna explore the motivation of type six. So the core desire, core fear, core weakness, and core longing. Dun, dun, dun. So you, your core fears as a type six is fearing fear itself. <laughs> I. Oh. Am- that's so that's that's so cool. Your fear is fear itself. So being without support, being without security, being without guidance is what you fear the most. Or what type six fear the most, I should say. Type six fears being blamed, being targeted, they fear being alone or physically abandoned. So because that's your check fear. <laughs> because that's your fear, your core desires is Having security, guidance, and support. Um, and, you know, subsequently, your core weakness is anxiety. Scaling the horizon of life and trying to predict and prevent negative outcomes, especially worst-case scenarios, and remaining in a constant state of apprehension and worry. So, obviously, your core longing is to be safe and secure. Um if we, if I were to summarize that, a type six um, basic idea, is, I mean, basic fear, so, sorry, is being without support or guidance. And therefore your basic basic desire is to have support and guidance. Um, your temptation is indecision, doubt and seeking reassurance. So if you look at it from, if you know like the, the vices, your mm-hmm. vices is fear. Um, and therefore your virtue, which is the other side of it is that you want to be, that you kind of value courage. So that's, oh, okay. And then your second one was, what was it again? Investigate an individualist. Okay. So that's type five and four. So type five is described as the investigator, five, six understanding and knowledge and are more comfortable with data than people. Type five, your Type five fears are being annihilated, annihilated, invaded, or not existing. So I guess you fear or type five fear being ignorant or being thought incapable or having okay. obligations placed upon you or your energy being completely depleted. So basically your the fear of type five is being incompetent. And therefore okay. the desire of type five is being competent and being capable. Um, the what is it called? The core weakness of a type five is I don't know how to pronounce this. Avarice, feeling that you lack in the resources and that too much interaction with others will lead to catastrophic <laughs> depletion. This is the introvert in you, I think. Yeah. Um, withholding yourself from contact with the world and holding into your resources and minimizing your needs. Um, so funnily enough, because 
invest, investigative thinker or the investigator type five, your the core desire is being competent in terms of your longing, your need. Your needs aren't a problem. So you don't have like a type five doesn't necessarily have a core want. core need. Yeah. So if I were to summarize type five basic desire or motivator, I guess is understanding and mastery and therefore your fear is incapability and incompetence yes and then type four actually another description of type four um aside from being individualist is romantic actually and your ego fixation as a type four is actually melancholy funnily enough oh that uh, that checks out right because i'm in um my temperament is melancholy yeah exactly um so thus your core fear is actually being inadequate or being emotionally cut off or being mundane or defective or flawed or insignificant so wait what i'm hearing so far is that i have abandonment issues you know i that's not for me if if i were to quote you know i'm just giving you information what you do with information is up to you desire is being unique special and authentic um your core weakness is envy so that's also like your if you look at the vices this is your vices is envy feeling that you're tragically flawed that something found foundational or fundamental is missing inside you and other possessive qualities that you lack so obviously your basic or core longing is to be seen and loved for exactly who you are which there's nothing wrong with it to be honest in my opinion but anyway to summarize, your basic fear is to be unique. I mean, to not be unique. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm reading the wrong column. Having no identity or or basically being insignificant and being mundane and just being basic. I am very, your, your I am very scared being of being basic. a basic bitch. Yeah. yeah, your fear is being a basic bitch, which checks out. <laughs> your basic desire is therefore to be <laughs> uniquely themselves. Um, yeah, what do you think of your results? Do you think it checks out? Do you think it's like, do you think you'll get something else? Uh, well, it helps that you're unfamiliar with the test. So yeah, 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 yes. it, I think it's the best sort of way to, to make this test a self-discovery is when you don't know what to expect. So yeah, yeah this is, uh, that, yeah, those, um, yeah, they check out. Yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't. That makes sense. Okay, what about yours? What about your Enneagram? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, because I think I know, I know what you're gonna guess. I know nothing about these things. Uh, okay. Same, but you can like from like just the name. Okay, itself. I think yours is type three. What is type three? Oh, the achiever. Okay, close. Actually, it's actually my. Actually, I thought it's gonna come up higher, um, but it's actually my fourth one. Okay, then it's type one. See, I also thought it's gonna be type one, but it's only no, my second really? one. Really? Yeah, it's only my second one. I was pretty surprised. Guess, 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 guess. guess. Okay, okay nice. Type one. That's actually my third one. <laughs> oh God! Okay, just tell me. Type six. Oh, I know. That's not a surprise. Oh, twinsies. Twinsies. This is the second time we're twinning. Twinsies. Twinsies. Anyway, as we've discussed before, type six is a skeptic. Um, which kind of, if you look at like their basic fear and at first I was like, Ooh, I, am I really though? I feel like I'm more of like, like you said, I, I thought I'm going to be more of an achiever or 
a perfectionist. That being said, though, I think you said you get 98 for 6 and 97 for 4 and 5. Mm-hmm. I got 98 for type 6. I got 97 for type 1. I get 94 for type 8. Oh, and I actually wow. got 92 for type 3. So it's not like... Yeah, they're all still pretty high. Yeah, they're all pretty high. They're all above 90. So yeah, I definitely... I probably might talk about type 3 a little bit just because it's still above 90. Like all four of them are above 90, really. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we've talked about... Type six, and when I was talking to you about the different um, motivators of type six, being you know always seeking for security, I think that's the main motivation. Yeah. It makes sense that I'm a type six because I'm a Virgo. A basic... oh. Yeah, I just, I just, well, I'm a Virgo, and I like I'm a basic bitch. Like I just want, I just need my, I just need to be, I just need to feel secure. And also the thing about my desire is my desire is having guidance and support i don't know whether you remember but whenever i'm when i was looking for or when i was going to my current job for my old job one of the thing that i was looking for is a guidance or not really when i was changing jobs actually but in general when i'm looking for a position or like a job that will fill my need is i always want to be i want to have guidance i want to have support yeah basically and you know our main weakness for both of us are our anxiety. Surprise, surprise. That's all we talked about in this podcast. We have anxiety. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, my second one is type one. As you've said before, they are the perfectionists. But that's my number one. Um, they are... So type ones place a lot of emphasis on following the rules and doing things correctly. That's why you thought I was type one because growing up, I'm yeah. of a type one. So the basic fears of type one is being wrong (laughs) or being bad or being evil or being inappropriate or being unredeemable or basically corruptible. Wait, sorry. You said you're type eight, type one and type three, three are your three highest. No, no, type six. Uh, Sorry. After six. Yeah. After six is yeah. Yeah, so I just want to point out we've been talking about how we have become so similar, right? Because yeah. our top results are so the same. But funnily enough, my type eight, type one, and type three are my three bottom ones. I know that's was like when I was looking at. So my five on four are not like that low, um, but I was thinking about how our type, like our first result, is the same, but our secondary ones are like completely very different, different. Yeah. yeah and like also as you were talking about this we talk about how our secondary like your type four and five are what i thought you were going to be because that's who you were when you, you were younger right and yeah. your your three guesses are like my secondary, like the next yeah. three yeah and my secondary ones and because that's who i was when i was younger but as you grow older and like literally the what like the this is literally the um the foundation of this like podcast or not foundation but like what we the perimeter of this podcast is basically how we grew up very different quite opposite in like some cases actually but we like when we were young we were so different but as we grew up we've become more similar and I thought that it's quite interesting that you can see it from this result like we are both type six now and we are both INFJ now INFJT too because they're both anxious as hell (laughs) (laughs) anyway going back to what a type one is actually another way another way to describe type one is moral perfectionist which i thought is quite 
yeah. like in line with like a certain aspect of INFJ. So yeah, um, my main or core desire as a type one is having integrity, being good, being balanced, being accurate, being right, which is I always like being right. Um, the weakness of a type one is resentment, which you know is since I was young, I'm yeah. very resentful. I'm still quite resentful, actually. I repress anger that leads to continual frustration and dissatisfaction with myself and others for not being perfect and the world for not being perfect. Yeah. Um, my longing is to be good. Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my third match is type eight, which is the challenger, which it's quite funny because I don't really... Like, I think this is something that as I grew up, I'm more of a type eight. But when I was younger, I, well, maybe when I was younger too, but not as much, I guess. So type eight see themselves as strong and powerful, which I don't necessarily see myself as, but they do seek to set up for what they believe in, which I do think since I was young, I was doing it. Yeah, I think like this that. steps into the INFJ as well. You know, being very yeah. strong, strongly, like, you know, holding to your principles. Yeah, that's right. So... Actually, linking to that, type eight, uh, type eight um, fear is actually being weak and powerless, and harm and vulnerable and manipulated, controlled and left at the mercy of injustice. Which you know, yeah. I hated that since I was young. So basically, the opposite side of it, my main desire or my core desire as a type eight is protecting yourself and those in your inner circle. And then, if you look at the flip side, the weakness is lust or excess. In ways, I constantly desire to be in control, which is why I'm such a player. Constantly desire, constantly desiring control, power, and intensity, and also pushing myself willfully on life and people in order to get what I desire. So, the fear or like the longing, actually, I should say, of a type eight is not wanting to be betrayed, which you know, it's like. I guess checks out, but but I'm also like, who hurt me? Like, you know, who who did that? <laughs> um, so that's type eight. And then do you want to talk about type three, which also what you thought I was? Because I think it's because growing the up. The achiever, I'm, yeah. Yeah. So be, like the achiever is, they basically want to be successful and being admired by others for being successful. And they're very conscious of their public image. So I definitely think, I have, I still have that and like, but more so when I was younger. So the fear of step three is being exposed or as, or like thought to be incompetent, inefficient or worthless or failing to be or appear successful. So this is kind of similar to your type six. No, no, type four, I think. But on like a different end, like for you, you don't want to be seen as incompetent but also like from the people's side, but I think mine was also more of like the status side of it. Mm. So therefore the core um, desire for type three is having high status and respect and being admired and successful and valuable. Um, A core weakness of type three is deceit or deceiving yourself into believing that you are only the image you present to other. Embellishing the truth by putting on a police persona for everyone, including yourself to see and admire. And Similar to type four, actually, the core longing of type three is to uh, to be loved for being me. So I think it's kind of similar, but like in a different way. Right. I think it's why we have imposter syndrome that going so strong. Yeah, no, absolutely right. So... 
do you think you've learned what do you have what have you learned from like learning all this stuff today i learned quite a bit about myself of like by doing this though like why i have abandonment issues and why my yeah, anxieties is off the charts i i never knew that about you like i didn't think you will have abandonment issue oh really yeah because like think you know mid- i think it's a middle child syndrome too a lot of us have it Oh really? Yeah, because we're right in the middle. Like we're so easily forgotten. No, I don't cry, babe. I can't. I haven't drank water all day. I can't cry anymore. <laughs> you literally have no <laughs> water. Or as Ariana will say, there's no more tears left. And got no tears left to cry. Is that how the song goes? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I've definitely learned something about you, and that's like actually a really good insight in saying that that abandonment, fear of abandonment kind of stem from being a middle child because um i feel like that links quite a bit with your type is it four type four mm. and also your melancholic temperament yeah um which actually if you think about it is well oh i think like when i hear you when i listen to you it's more like oh that's what you were as a child yeah. like when you were younger which kind of checks out because like um my temperament is a choleric which is predominantly described as being bossy and that kind of stems being the first child and why i'm such like an achiever which is type three and also a perfectionist which is type one um so i i I don't know i think it's kind of interesting that and i've always think about this and we can discuss it in like future episodes which we will actually you know sometimes or like when you're like teenager or like young adults as in young adult, like super early 20s, you always, people always want to believe that, you know, you are so much more than your Mm. parent or your like childhood or like, you know, your childhood and where you brought up or your parents' influence is not as strong as you would want to believe. But the thing is, a lot of these things still plays a part in like your behavior and personality today, no matter how long ago it was or no matter how much you want to deny the influence it has so i always find it interesting that no matter how old we are no matter how much we've grown and no matter no matter how much we've um completely grown into a not person. different person but like a more developed person we still have remnants remnants of that childhood and i thought that's quite interesting yeah like some things truly don't go away yeah, it's like the nurture versus nature thing. Like we might be like naturally this and we might then grow to be something else. But the in-between, which is the childhood, still like plays so much role in our personality and behavior today. But yeah, that's what I think. Thank you for joining our sister chat today as we talked about our personality types. This has been a very, very insightful and super fun exercise for the both of us. Let us know if you have done a similar personality test and what do you think of the results? Do so by writing to us at ginong2ginong at gmail.com or on our Instagram handles. We would love to get your insights. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at ginong2ginong. That's J-I-N-O-N-G-T-O-J-I-N-O-N-J. And subscribe to our podcast. We're everywhere. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. It's a recent discovery. Uh, We're on Anchor. We're on 
I don't know, everywhere you get your podcast um, so that you'll never have to meet an episode. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.